Thank you, Miss Stacy. That's uh, true. Y'all believe that? Amen. I hope so. Uh, y'all go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 6. And, and I just want to say, this has been, Luke 6 is hard. If, if that's not hard, Luke 6, if that's not a hard chapter for you to read and apply to your life, then something's, you're crazy. <laughs> All right, so I, I know as, I don't know if I've ever preached through a more difficult chapter um, in my ministry, but um, y'all have been awesome with it, and we are still not even halfway through it. So let's uh, open up Luke chapter 6, um, and, and today we're going to be talking about something that, um, when it comes to our culture, I think is hilarious. Uh, and so when it comes to judging other people or being judged, our culture um, is really funny about it. Because our culture says, don't judge me. Right? Don't, you can't judge. Only God can judge me. Right? And, and I, I love it because, I, you know, obviously I love tattoos. That's the most tattooed thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Everybody, from the hood to the country to the cities, wherever you... Only God can judge me. Right? How many of you have seen that before? It's bumper stickers, t-shirts... Right, and what's so funny about that um, is it really is our this culture's mindset that I can judge you, but you can't judge me. And, and why our culture is thinking that way is because we have really become this very sensitive type of culture, where if I'm living wrong and you tell me, Donnie, you're living wrong, then all of a sudden, no, 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 you, hey, now check yourself. Right? We we can't take it. Right, And I don't know where that shift has come from, but uh, I love it because as a pastor and as a Christian, right, I, I love seeing people and, I, and they tell me, you know, I'm trying to share Christ with them. And they go, you know, well, I'm not perfect, you know, and, and I say, well, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, but what, what tends to happen is people who have never memorized a Bible verse in their entire life, the second that you tell them, right, maybe you've experienced this. Hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you shouldn't live that way. All of a sudden, King James Version comes out. You shall be, thou shalt not judge, right? Well, I, don't know. I don't know the King James Version. I'm not even going to try to pretend I do. But it just comes out. Do not judge, right? And, and, and so I, I love that because what happens is we have taken this verse that Jesus has commanded and taken it way out of context. And, and, and what, why Americans love that is because when you take that verse out of context, it does a few things. It protects you, first of all. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Right? And it takes away all accountability and responsibility away from you. You, you can do what you want. Right? You guys with me? Is this, is this making sense? I hope so. And, and so today, we're going to look at this very challenging command that Jesus gives us Christians on how to judge. Okay, Because, I mean, it's a command. But there's some principles that you need to abide by before you judge somebody else. Right? Uh, and so we're going to see this kingdom mindset uh, of Jesus saying, when I say the kingdom, the kingdom of God, this mindset, Jesus saying um, to judge in a righteous way. Paul's even going to go a little further with this later on in, in the book of Corinthians, right? There's, they, they were really messed up. They got two books for them, right? They got two letters from Paul. But J Paul even told them, hey, come together and morally judge and figure things out. 
Right? And, and so it's, the command is don't judge. There's just ways to go about judging. And so today what we're going to be looking at is how, is how are we as Christians, if you're a Christian here, how are we as Christians and living in this sensitive, don't judge me, but I can judge you type of culture, how, to, how do we go about following God's command when it comes to judging other people? And I, I'm excited. Are you? I hope so. Um, let's pray. <laughs> we're going to, let's pray because there's a lot of dumb people in this world that do a lot of dumb things that makes us want to judge them. <laughs> Am I the only one in here? Cool, let's pray. Jesus, uh, God, you're so good. There's so many ways uh, that you have blessed each and every single one of us, God. There have been so many times that each of us can look back in our lives and see um, just how far you extended grace for us. How far you extended forgiveness and love and mercy and blessings. So Jesus, I pray as we read your command that we would follow you. That no matter how um, hard it is for us to look at our own hearts, that we would choose to follow you and be obedient to your command, God. Um, Bless us. Help us understand this text. Help us to live it. Do not let us go unchanged from this service, God. Lord, we love you. Just let me pray. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 37. And it says this, and if you don't have your Bible, there's one in the pews. And you don't, if you want, you can take that home with you as a gift from DBC. But Luke 6, verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Okay, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you for good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And so there's three principles that we're going to get from this text today. This first one on how to righteously judge people. How, if Jesus gives us the command that, yes, we do need to be judging, right? We need to have discernment. There's three principles that we need to follow before we catch judgment. And the first one is we have to be generous to others. We have to be generous to others. Be generous in our judgments. So this word judge, right, in Greek, you can translate this back to critic, being critical, criticism, discrimination, Okay, so what Jesus isn't saying here is don't have opinions about people. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus isn't saying don't have opinions about other ideas, um, politics, uh, other religions. He's not saying don't have opinions about other things. What Jesus is saying is don't be critical. Don't be critical. Right? Don't be prejudiced. Don't rashly come to some conclusion about somebody or something. Don't be critical. And listen, as Christians, okay? Y'all ready? If you're, if you're believing here, as Christians, we cannot judge unmercifully, ungraciously, unlovingly, right? With, with this hateful or revengeful kind of heart. That's not what Jesus is calling us to do. And that's especially hard when you've been hurt before. Am I alone in that? If you've been hurt before, raise your hand. 
And so when you've been hurt, okay, this is especially hard because then all of a sudden you take on what that person has done to you and you put it to other people. Huh? And, and so this is especially hard when it comes to someone hurting you. But here's the deal. As Christians, okay, we are very limited on how much we see in a person's heart, right? I mean, can, can you guys look into somebody's heart? No. But next week we're going to be talking about Jesus gives us um, a way to see what's coming out of somebody's heart. Uh, but we, as humans, we can't physically see into someone's heart and go, okay, get out of the bad attitude, the negativity, what's really going on in this person's heart. That's not our position, right? That's the creator of the human heart's position. You guys with me, right? And so our job is not to go, oh, man, that person's evil, that's it, right? But like I said, next week we'll, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more on that. But, but here's the deal. God, the creator of the universe... God, the creator of human beings, your creator, sees right through it all, directly into the heart. And 1 Samuel talks about Jesus. He knows, he knows the man's heart. He knows a man's heart. And, and so what we take away from this text is that our judgment, okay, coming from a critical heart or not, our judgment and perception of other people eventually going to come back to us, right? Y'all don't believe me, huh? Verse 37 again. Y'all read this with me. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your laps. Listen to this. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Alright? And, and so here's the deal. If we avoid, in our judgment, being overly critical on somebody, if we avoid condemning from a hateful, revengeful, spiteful heart, right? If we, if we give and forgive and forgive and give some more and here's some more and give, give, and give, okay? Generally, I hate to use the word generally, but generally what's going to happen is more people will be less critical of us. Does that make sense? I mean, there's, there's, there's always the exception. There's always some crazy kook that just hates people, right? There, you're always going to have someone who's just negative, negative, negative. You can't fix that, right? You can't. But in general, if you avoid being overly critical on somebody, most of the time, it's not going to come back at you that way. And the more that you give, eventually, people are going to give back to you. You guys see this? I mean, this, is, this isn't my... I mean, you could say, Donnie, this is a little weird. What are you saying? It is a little weird, but this is Jesus' words. Listen to him. Listen to the reason for his model. It says this, For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So our generosity towards other people will produce this overflowing generosity back to us. And that might not come from other people. That might come from the Lord Himself. And so the more generous that you are, the more that is coming back to you. This isn't karma. This is Jesus Christ's model for how we should live and treat other people. Y'all with me? So what this is getting to is our heart and how we regard people and treat other people. For the measure you use will be measured back to you. How many of you have ever used a measuring stick before? Measuring tape. Okay, so here's the deal. If your mercy... Okay, 
Because, I mean, if you use it by yourself, you got to hook, hook it on something and pull it back, right? If your mercy only extends a certain point, then that's, don't expect to get any mercy from someone else beyond that point. You all with me? If your love only extends uh, this far, don't expect other people to love you past your point. If your judgment only goes this far, if you're giving your resources, your money, if your giving of your time only goes this far, don't expect other people to give you more. If your forgiveness only extends this far, don't expect everyone to forgive you even more. Oh, golly. This is not good. (laughs) This is hard. So how can we as Christians, if you're a Christian in here, I'm sorry if you're not a believer, we'll get to you in a minute. Because Jesus has a lot to say about you. Um, And it's all good things, I promise. But as Christians, how can we as Christians, right? I don't want to make you feel guilty here, but this this is more towards me than anything. How can we as Christians experience this never ending Constantly second chance giving, never stopping love and mercy and forgiveness from God Himself and not extend it to other people. That does not make sense. And, And so if you are claiming to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, but you don't extend forgiveness, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are in a very dangerous spot. If you claim that you know God's love, but don't extend it, you, you might not know God's love for real. And I don't care, Donnie, don't, you can't scare, I'm not trying to scare, I'm just trying to open your eyes and see, you can't experience God's goodness and not extend it to other people. You, you can't experience God's grace and not want to give it to other people. Right? So Jesus, okay, telling us don't judge, don't be harshly critical of others. Um, and, and so here, how do you know if you're someone who's overcritically, overcritical? Does anybody know someone who's just always criticizes somebody? Raise your hand, please, Tom. Right? Some of you, some of you uh, might know who that person is. They might be in this room, right? Might be your, your spouse, or I don't know, right? <laughs> I. I I, me, I'm, my personality in general, I'm a very go-with-the-flow type of person. I had to be that way um, the way I grew up in California, right? I'm, I'm just cool. If something happens, right on. God will take care of every type of person. I love seeing the difference between someone who's negative and critical versus someone who's positive and just carefree, right? I love it. Now, I love seeing a negative, critical person come to Jesus and then turn into someone who's just positive and carefree because it freaks you out. Right? I mean, they're literally like, what is wrong with you? Nothing. I got Jesus. Right? It's awesome. But let me give you a biblical example uh, of somebody who, uh, who is overcritical. Because someone who is critical of others, who constantly points out the bad in other people, most of the time, why they're doing that is because they have something inside of them that they know is wrong, know is bad, but wants to point it out at somebody else. Right? And so y'all remember King David. Right? King David's perfect at this, right? King David in the Bible, you never grew up in church, I'll tell you, fast forward, he's shepherd boy, now to a king. Right? And, and as a king, you're supposed to be out leading war, everyone's out to war, where's King David? He's relaxing at home. He's, he's comfortable, men, okay? So men, you learn that lesson. 
He, he got comfortable. Okay? And, and he comes outside, looks around, sees a beautiful woman, Bathsheba, outside taking a bath. He goes, I'm the king, bring her up. Right? And, 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 his, and his friend Nathan's like, no, no, hey, she's married to your right, your best soldier. He goes, I'm the king, bring her up. Um, long story short, gets her pregnant. Right? This is like Jerry Springer before Jerry Springer. Right? This is awesome. Right? This is just drama. Um, gets her pregnant. And he goes, oh, no, I've messed up. Uh, bring Uriah back from war. Let's get him drunk. And then he'll go sleep with his wife. And Uriah is just faithful. Because I ain't doing it. I got to go to war. Sleeps outside of the city. So he goes to war. And David, knowing the sin, knowing the evil, knowing the wickedness inside of him, creates this plan. Rather than dealing with it, goes, cool, send him to the front lines and draw everybody back off of him. And, and of course, he's going to die. And, and so then what happens is instead of just dealing with the fact that you did something wrong, you, do, you cover it and make yourself look good. David goes, I'll, I'll take Bathsheba in. Right? She has no husband now. And, and, and so Nathan, his buddy, <laughs> this is awesome. Nathan comes to him and tells him this parable. Okay? I want you to listen to this in 2 Samuel chapter 12. He says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one small lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up and grew up with it and with his children. They used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms like it was his daughter. Right? Listen to this. Now there came a traveler to the rich man. He was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's land and prepared it for the man who had already come to him. Right? So that's the parable. Right? Listen to David's response. Someone who's overly critical. Okay? Knowing that there's wrong inside of them. Listen to his response. David's anger was greatly kindled against this man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. Right? <laughs> this is awesome. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he had did this thing. And because he had no pity. Someone who's overly critical. What David did was way worse than someone stealing a lamb and eating it. Right? Way worse. Stealing a man's wife, getting him killed, knocking her up. Way worse. And what was David's response? That guy's evil. That guy needs to die. God should kill him. He should pay everything back four times more. Look how bad that guy is. Look at Nathan's response. Nathan said to David, You are that man. You are that man. Okay, so critical and judgmental people criticize and judge because of the, the, the own greed and hiding their sin. You guys with me? I mean, have you seen this? This might be, this, you might have, everyone has gone through this at some point. This isn't just to a certain person. This is a struggle that we all have. So with Jesus saying, be generous in judgment, in your condemning, in your forgiveness, in your mercy, your giving to others. And listen, what you extend to others is what you're measured with. Again, back to you. All right? And so remember, Jesus in this time is talking to his disciples. If you don't know what a disciple is, it's just someone who follows someone. So Jesus is talking to his followers. 
And some of them were going to do this. Some of them were going to give and give and forgive and show mercy and not judge. Some of them weren't. But true disciples, listen to me, true followers of Jesus will look at this command and go, I need to follow Jesus. True disciples, true followers of Jesus do. All right? So, let's keep it going. we got a lot to do. The first principle, be generous. The second principle for this righteous kind of judgment uh, is to be careful who you follow. Okay? Be careful who you follow. And we'll look at this. Verse 39. Luke 6, verse 39. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple, remember, a disciple is a follower, is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Okay, so this one's not very hard to grasp, okay? But let me just make this clear. Jesus isn't hating on blind people, okay? He loves blind people, right? He heals them, okay? So he's not hating on blind people, but this is one that's kind of hard to understand. To make it simple, a student eventually becomes like his teacher, Okay? This isn't a Christianity thing. This is, this is clear across the board. This is in business. This is in social settings. Whoever you follow, whoever you um, idolize, whoever you follow, right, you will eventually become like them. And I have a perfect example. Is growing up in California, I'm a skateboarder, still skateboard, right? If you want to learn, I got helmets, knee pads, we'll get you set up, right? Um, but my favorite skater growing up was Ryan Shepard. Okay? And, and, and so I would watch his videos. I would watch the way that he skates. I would try to go do the tricks that he did, wear the clothes that he wore, right? It's just what you do, right? I, I just, it just tended to happen that way. Fast forward to about three years ago, I got to go on a trip with Red Bull to Costa Rica, okay? Crazy story. God made it happen. But Ryan Sheckler was there. And the day that I got to meet the guy that I looked up to my entire life, right, we walk up to each other, and I kid you not, we're both wearing a black Red Bull hat, a white t-shirt, khaki shorts, long white Volcom socks, red etnies, have the same size Plan B skateboard with the same wheels on the sides, and a shoelace that was the same exact color as a belt. And so we walk up, shake hands, and it was instantly awkward, right, like, just, hey man. You know, and then we go to take a picture and both of us do this. Right? Just eventually you become who you follow. So look at verse 39 one more time. He told them, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? So Jesus is telling his followers, his disciples, who you follow is important because you will end up just like them. You will look like them, you'll think like them, you'll speak like them, you'll treat others the way that they treat others, you'll love others the way that they love others, you'll hate people the same way that they hate people, you'll forgive the same way that they forgive. And so do you see why Jesus is telling them, look, this is important. Can a blind man lead a blind man? No. Because why? They're going to fall into a pit. So if your person that you're following is spiritually blind, does not live according to God's command, and you follow them, you will eventually fall into the same death pit hole that they are heading into. Watch who you follow. So, so when you read your Bible, 
and Jesus speaks something, I want you to center in on what Jesus is really trying to say here. And then track it with the rest of his ministry. Jesus talks a lot about discipleship. Right? I mean, you guys know the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples of what? All nations. Right? And so this is, this is a key heart teaching from Jesus Christ. Right? That we make, that we follow him because we're his disciples. And then we create more of what? Disciples. And who those disciples follow? Us. Jesus. I mean, Paul was the perfect example of this. Paul told Timothy, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because if Paul's following Jesus and he's imitating Jesus and his teachings and the way that he speaks and loves and heals and forgives and extends mercy, then Timothy following Paul is going to just reflect Jesus Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So this is why it's important for Christians, no matter how hard the teaching gets, no matter how hard the command is that we follow Jesus. Because eventually, and no matter how hard it gets, eventually we will live, love, and extend what all of our, the whole aspects of our lives like Jesus Christ did. No matter how hard it gets, we have to follow Jesus. Because eventually we will live like He did. Hmm? I don't know if y'all are with me this morning. But look, if your leader is spiritually blind, you will follow him straight into a hole. If the person you follow is hypercritical and condemning of people, you're going to end up that way. I mean, this is common sense, right? Be, be careful who you follow. I mean, be careful who you listen to on TV when it comes to news, politics, documentaries. Be careful who you listen to for preachers. I want you to fact check me. Right? Don't just come up in here and not read your Bible when you go home. Come up in here and listen to me and then go make sure it's not something crazy. Right? Listen. Watch what you listen to. Be careful who you read. Right? I, I, I love reading. One of my favorite leadership books is by this ex-military man who's off. You can tell this dude's not a believer, but that guy got some good principles. But those things that don't line up with Christ's teachings, I throw those away. Look, for, for an example, Psalm chapter 1, I, I promise, I didn't really want to get into this, but... Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That slippery slope of who you follow, eventually you're just going to turn right into him. (laughs) One of my favorite sayings that I got in in East Tennessee, or in East Texas, right? East Tennessee, I don't understand some of y'all sayings yet. I'm getting there. I'm working on it. It took me seven years to figure out some East Texas sayings. It was going to take me seven years to figure out y'all's stuff here. But in East Texas, um, there's a saying that I heard by this guy named Ronnie King. Ronnie King's the most country boy that you have ever seen in your entire life. Right? But he told me one time, Donnie, when you hang out with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Right? You hang out with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Right? And so watch... Who you watch. Can you gain knowledge from secular people? Absolutely. But if they don't line up with Jesus Christ's teaching, don't follow them. If it doesn't line up with the creator of wisdom, don't follow them. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you love someone, if you follow someone who builds people up, if you follow someone who extends grace, 
and, and gives and gives and forgives and, and is righteous in all of their doings, eventually you will become like them. Right? So let's move on. The third thing, this is the last little point I got here, um, is uh, the third thing you need to do before you judge someone righteously is uh, part of my friends, deal with your own crap. Okay? Um, so look at verse 41. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's I love this. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. Alright? This is, this is one of the most abused texts in, in Scripture here. Okay? Because people take this and they just come up with all kinds of weird analogies. I'm not going to give you one. I think it's pretty much common sense. Right? Um, but I think it's also impossible to do outside of Jesus Christ working in your life. Right? Jesus is, impl- is, is simply saying, don't go around trying to fix everyone else before you examine yourself and handle your own issues. This is, this is as simple as it gets. Don't go around trying to fix everybody else until you look at your own life and your major issues, because obviously some of you in here got some major issues you got to deal with. Right? I, I hear them all. Right? I, I love every single one of you. Some of y'all got some issues. Right? And I, and I do as well. Don't go around trying to fix everyone else until you attend to your own Needs. When you do that, when you try to fix other people, when you try to fix other people before examining your own heart, examining your own life, examining your own mind, when you do that, you are a hypocrite. That's what being a hypocrite is. It's saying, I don't have anything wrong with me, let me fix you. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing in my life, you're the bad person. Yeah, I cheated on my wife, got a woman pregnant, killed a man, but that guy who stole the lamb over there, let's go get him. That's what being a hypocrite is. Now, I I love this because I think people misinterpret this. Look at verse 42 one more time. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? Right? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. What this is not saying is, take out the massive plank in your eye, take that out, and then ignore your brother's issues. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is, before you call someone out, before you try to help somebody else, examine your heart. It's wrong as Christians. Listen to me. If you're a Christian, this applies to Christians only. If you're a Christian, it's wrong to see your brother or sister struggling in their sin and not help them. Do you hear me? Listen, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So it's, I mean, we are commanded. To care for our brothers and sisters. But before we do that, before we go and say, hey, let me help you, check yourself first. 
this Greek word as log or plank, right, you see in your Bible, it's talking about the, the support beam in someone's house. That's a big piece of wood, right? I don't know how many of you ever worked in construction. How many of you worked in construction before, right? So before um, I moved to Texas to go to college, I was a pipe fitter, mainly because Don McIntyre just put that in our family's life, right? We're all a bunch of pipe fitters, right? And, and my stepdad, I would work with my stepdad, and he would say, Donnie, put your safety goggles on. I'm like, no, I don't want to wear them. Put them on. No, I don't want to wear them. Work all day. Work all month. Work, work for half a year not wearing safety goggles. Never had an issue, Right? Then my stepdad comes in, Donnie, you got to drill 72 holes across all these beams because we got to throw pipe in them. Put your safety goggles on. Fine, I'll do it. Put them on the first, I'm talking, climb up the ladder, the wind blew and blew a chunk of wood right into my eye. I wasn't even touched or drilled yet. I just was climbing up the ladder. I broke those safety glasses. <laughs> but here, here's the deal. Little things that fly into your eye, it'll scratch you a little bit. I ain't going to do too much. I could do damage, right? Depending on what it is. Really what's happening when you got something in your eye. What, what does that tend to do? Irritate the mess out of you. Right? So before you see something in somebody else that's irritating you. Right? Check your own heart. To see where you are offending God. Then you can go and help your brother. Right? Common sense. Hypercritical um, people, we, we don't like to look at ourselves. Right? When, when you're someone who's hypercritical over other people, when you're very judgmental, this is hard because you don't want to examine yourself. You don't want to look in your heart. You don't want to see the thoughts that you're thinking. You don't want to see how much you're extending to other people. It, why? It hurts. Right? So how many of you have ever been on an airplane before? Right? And, and they're going through those safety rules. Please listen to those. <laughs> Please don't, don't, don't zone out on those. Listen to those. those right? Put your seatbelt on. Right? Um, but the most important one right, is when the oxygen masks are deployed, you put yours on first. Right? Then you can help what? Help someone else. Because if you don't do that, you will pass out from not breathing and then you're useless. Right? You can't help someone if you're dead. Right? You're dead. Put on your own oxygen mask, then you can help somebody else. Examine your own heart, see where you're failing before you try to get someone else to change their life. Why? Because if you don't, you're just a hypocrite. And you're proving the whole world right that Christians are nothing but hateful people. Mm. Put on your own safety mask, your own oxygen mask. Check your own eyes. Check your heart. We don't do this because it hurts. We don't want to deal with the fact that we're messed up. We'd rather have someone else look more messed up than us. Another reason why we don't do it is because it takes time and effort. You have to sit down, shut up, turn off the phone, and examine yourself. That sounds fun. Right? No. But here's the deal. How can we do this? What, what, what's the way that, that you know, how, if, if Jesus is commanding this of us, how do we do this? The first way, literally the only way, is through the power of Jesus Christ working on you. Outside of Jesus Christ, you will not be able to do this. 
That is why your dependency on Jesus needs to be on the forefront of your mind. Every day you should be waking up going, I need more of Jesus. I need more of Jesus. How can I get more of Jesus? I need more of Jesus. I need to spend time with Jesus. I need to go and pray. I need to read my Bible. And it's not because you need to do that to make God happy. It's because if you don't do that, you're going to criticize everybody. You're going to see someone doing something stupid and you're going to be like, hey, you're an idiot. How many of you know if you don't spend time with Jesus... Two or three days in a row, you're going to go off on someone. Go ahead and raise your hand for me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Even as your pastor, this is, look, my schedule gets full real quick. If I don't take the time to just spend time with me and Jesus, please don't call me. <laughs> I, love, I love you. I don't, want to, I don't want to say something dumb. Right? I need more of Jesus. How do you do this? Through the power of Jesus Christ. The second way is through prayer. Through prayer. Through prayer. Prayer is the strongest tool you have as a Christian. If you feel yourself thinking negative or hateful thoughts against somebody, spend time in prayer and ask God first, guys, there's something in my life that I need to handle before I come, come to a conclusion about this person. God, is it right for me to hate them? Is it right for me to be angry at them? Anger is not a sin. Y'all realize that too, right? Anger is not a sin. There's this thing called righteous anger. God flips some tables, right? But you can't use righteous anger just to cover up you just being an idiot. Right? So pray, God, God help me. And then study God's word and examine your heart. Right? So, so listen, if you look and read the Bible... Okay, Jesus' commands, and, and then you lay your life next to it, you will very quickly see where you don't add up. And, and that's a good place to start. Right? That is a great, that's the, the place to start. Okay? And so here, here's how we're going to end. We, we've been singing a lot about grace this morning. Grace. Grace. And if you don't know what grace is, grace is you getting something that you do not deserve. Right? That, that's, that's what grace is. You get something you do not deserve. And, and we've all heard and sang that song, Amazing Grace. Right? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Right? And, and so you, what you need to understand is, what Luke is saying is that the measure you extend to others is the measure... Uh, Listen, everything that you measure, the measurement of your judgment, how far you extend your judgment, how far you extend forgiveness, how far you extend grace, how far you extend love, how far you give, all of that's going to be measured back to you. Right? I mean, is that, is that what we just read? Amen if it is. That tells me you're not sleeping, right? <clears throat> then he tells us, examine our hearts, examine our minds. And what I want you to do is, is literally do this. I want you to think about how you treat people. Would you want the measurement that you give to other people on you? I want you to think, the way that you forgive people with, with that type of forgiveness, would you want that for yourself? The love that you extend to people, is that the love that you want for yourself? The, how much you give... If you were in need, was, is that how much you would wish, wish somebody would give to you? It's just like this balancing game, right? Would you want the measurement that you give to other people? Mm. So, so here, here's the deal. I got really, really good news and some really, really bad news. 
Because I'm kind of cynical, I'll give you the really, really bad news first. The really, really bad news is that God's measurement on how he judges people, his standard is literally perfection. Literally perfection. And before that you, you know, maybe if you're wondering, no, bro, you're not perfect. Not one of us. And so why that's really, really bad is because if you don't meet God's standard, you don't get to experience eternity with Him. What you get to experience is eternity in hell forever. Right? And so the good news is, though, right? Listen to this. In Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But grace, remember, getting something we don't deserve. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ's gift is something that we don't deserve. It's Christ's gift towards us. And that grace-given gift, the gift that we get freely and do not deserve, is a chance to be measured under Christ's perfection. That's a good gift. And the reason, listen, I know we, all throughout America you can ask, you know, why did Jesus die? And he died for, for, to forgive us for our sins, right? That's, that's, that's almost common knowledge now. Even people don't believe that will say that, right? He died to forgive us of our sins. But what he really died for was uh, he died to extend his perfection. He, he died to extend his love. And while we were as sinners, he died for us. He, he died and extended his mercy. He died and extended his grace. He died and extended his resume of never sinning once so that it can be applied to us who were born into sin. Are you guys seeing this? Jesus died not just to die for our forgiveness. He died laying himself down as a perfect Holy sacrifice that could, that's the only thing that would please God's wrath towards sin. And he accepted this sacrifice. And now sin can be pardoned through Jesus Christ. This is good news. I mean, that's, what, that's literally what the gospel means. For your sins, your failures to be wiped away by his holiness. All you have to do is accept this for you. Right? The Bible says that once you do that, nothing can snatch you from the Father's hands. How good is that? And, and so here's the deal. Right? Here in a second, we're going to stand and we're, we're going to sing a song. If you've never been in church, this is what we do. We're going to stand and we're going to respond to hearing good news. We're going to respond in singing. Okay? And so when you stand here in a few moments, you're responding, your response to hearing this good news is you singing as loud as you can and you worshiping Him. Now, don't just stand and mumble some words, okay? But you also need to respond to the command that Jesus gives us. So if you're not a believer in here today, you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ, what's stopping you? Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn, to criticize the world. He came here that through him we might be forgiven. So if you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never followed him, made a decision to follow him, make today that day. 
Come experience grace. Okay? So, so now to my, my believers. Right? I'm, I'm way more harsh on Christians. Right? Some of you are, are critical. Some, some of you are very judgmental. Some of you are very negative. And, and all that spawns from is either hurt or you not wanting to deal with your own issues. Right? And, and so make today the day that you come, examine your own heart, lay down whatever it is that's, that's causing you to struggle, and experience God's goodness for real. Right? And so, if that's you today, make today that day where you give it over to God. And then lastly, I want you to examine yourself. Check your eyes, check your heart, check your mind. Think about the measure that you extend to other people. Would you want that measurement placed on you if you were outside of Jesus Christ? If not, you have some issues you need to deal with with the Lord. The stairs are here. You come and pray at the altar. I'm here to pray with you. If you want to join the church, you can come and do that. If you want to accept Christ, I'm right here for you. But in reality, I think a lot of us need to come and spend some time here. Just doing a little examination. Amen? So stand with me. We're going to sing. Let me pray.